We are on the sample case study assignment and that child's name is Louise. I'm going to do three things with you today. First, I want to show you how to get at this data fast. That is the most important thing, is to begin to develop some behaviors and some actions that will enable you to get through the data quickly so that you're not suffering underneath the weight of it. The second thing that I want to do is show you how to outline and use that list of words that we've been working with and apply it to the, uh, the data so you can see how you can make the data work for you rather than against you. And then the last thing that I'll do is go over the sample answer with you so that you have a, you know, a pretty good idea of what is going on in here. So the first step for any of these case studies is just to do a survey and how in-depth you want to make that survey <clears throat> is really up to you. What I recommend that you do is of course read the opening and read the questions and read those you know openings and the questions carefully especially the questions. You never know if they're going to modify it a little bit if they do then you need to modify your outline a little bit but you know most of the stuff hasn't changed since they first started giving the test so there's really not much to worry about there. When we look at the opening we see that we're dealing with a fifth grade student and let me remind you of what our continuum looks like. On one side we have like kindergarten through third grade and on the other side we have fourth through eighth grade. If you want some additional terminology <clears throat> to go along with this, kindergarten through third grade is what we call reading to, oh man I screwed that up. Well I'm not re-recording this so just get your eraser and erase it like I did. Kindergarten through third grade is learning to read. This is all the stuff that goes into learning to become a fluent uh, processor of text, meaning that you can decode uh, simple polysyllabic words, you can decode words based on phonics rules, you can decode onsets and rhymes and so forth, along with recognizing sight words. Remember, those are not easily decoded, so you've got to just look at them and know them. And once you do, and you can do all that stuff efficiently, then you are considered fluent and that's what this line stands for and I can even make an F out of it for you and that is our fluency line. Well for four to eight this is what we call reading to learn. When a child is a fluent decoder what that means is that they're able to process the information quickly enough to have enough short-term memory left over to begin to process the information that they're supposed to glean from a given text. If they're not fluent, their mind is occupied with self-correcting, with making mistakes, with inserting words, with skipping words, with pausing, etc. And their short-term memory is taxed and is thought not to be available for processing uh, information and understanding it. So since we're given a fifth grader, we would expect that she, in this case, would be beyond fluency and well into the text. And we'll see a little bit later whether or not that's true or not. Okay, well the Next thing, and again we're just doing a survey right now, is to look at the grade level text that she was asked to read aloud. And you can see that it is fifth grade level text. And if you take the time just to skim and scan the paragraphs, you'll see that what we are dealing with is expository text. An expository text, remember, is informational text. Something out of the sciences, something out of... Um, your social studies book, history, um, even math word problems, for example. And we don't know if she's comprehending anything at this point. We don't know even really how complex the expository passage is yet because, again, this is just a survey. We turn the page and we turn too far. Turn the page 
and you can see on the next page how we're hit with a little bit of her, of her fluency data and just by looking at it you can see that the child is not fluent and at this point if you uh, want to do a little digression or whatever and do a um, accuracy calculation like the number of words she read minus the errors over the number of words you'll determine that she's right around like 77 percent somewhere around there which is in the frustration level we'll go over the reading levels again <clears throat> on another data set but hopefully you'll remember uh, what that indicates so this passage is too hard for her just based on her oral reading you're hit then with the teacher-student dialogue down below and you know that what this gauge is is comprehension we don't know that in spite of her low fluency whether she's comprehending anything at all or not because we haven't read the uh, the data but eventually we will again we're just doing a survey that's all we're doing at this point the teacher notes the teacher notes are often extremely valuable but I would recommend waiting on them because sometimes they're not valuable I would go after the meatiest and weightiest uh, pieces of data that are going to actually yield some really good uh, results and really good analyses as opposed to trying to deal with uh, the data that you see um, here uh, which are a bunch of teacher notes that sometimes are useful and sometimes are not so let's come back to those when we look at the next page we see that we have some data on recognizing prefixes and suffixes uh, separating root words from affixes and dividing words into syllables and again we're on the next page I don't find this type of data to be very useful maybe as a supporting statement in one sentence you can discuss it but again I don't know what words were used I don't know if it was an easy word like pre-reading or anti-disestablishmentarianism and so I don't find that uh, data set uh, to be too helpful I am much more partial to this one the word recognition check now unfortunately I skipped one data set and that was on the previous page I'm not re-recording this so just turn back if you would and um, let me sort of scroll this up in your window a little bit and on the previous page just ignore page 16 um, we see her assessment results and we get the benchmark here her score and you can see that in every category she's either one away or far away from whatever the benchmark happened to be but again this would be good for like supporting information but not good for uh, developing an entire case <clears throat> sorry for clearing my throat in your ear but not for developing a whole case study because I don't know what words I don't know what text I don't know what was used in here I know she's low I know that coming out of fourth grade and into my class she was already weak that's all I know but I already get that sense from looking at her data set um, on the uh, expository passage and the comprehension questions that'll be clear to me when I when I read it now the most important and most useful data set that I see on here is the one that says word recognition check and let's start analyzing this one our survey is basically done and we want to run through this data set to see how well or how poorly she does things the way to attack it is to treat all of these data sets like enough is like column one automatic is column two and decoded is column three pull out some strengths on one side some weaknesses or needs on the other and we look at the column one first enough is a sight word mystery is polysyllabic skillful 
polysyllabic thought, sight word. Adventure can kind of go either way, so maybe we can take it, uh, use it to our advantage or just ignore it. The reason is that, yes, it is polysyllabic, but that T right here is hard to decode because it's coming out as chur, and that's not as easy to decode. Therefore, it could count as a sight word. Flavor is clearly clearly polysyllabic. Understand is clearly polysyllabic. Southern is clearly polysyllabic. But it could also be a sight word because south changes its pronunciation when attached with that particular uh, suffix. It goes from south to south, as in southern. So there's a little complexity built into it. Therefore, we can also like put a question mark by it. Excited, polysyllabic, except for maybe the CX beginning, it could be counted as a sight word or polysyllabic. All right, let me read it as she read each one of the words. I'm going to be bouncing between column two and three. Enough, mistry, skillet, thought, adventure, favorite, un, der, stand, south, earn, excited. Well, immediately we can pull out some strengths. We can see that enough was, to, was recognized immediately. Thought was recognized immediately. Adventure, immediately. Excited, immediately. She has strengths with sight words. And if I go ahead and count adventure and excited as sight words, I have you know, built a pretty good case for, for what I'm doing. But there are other things that she does well. Look at what she does with mistry. Now, it is a three-syllable word, mystery. She reduces it to a two-syllable word, mistry, but she does get the initial syllable. This child gets the miss in mystery, so to speak, the first syllable, the initial syllable. Look at skillful. She gets another initial syllable. Look at flavor for favorite. She got the final syllable. Look at understand, and don't be misled. Yes, it has a check mark in there, but what it means, since it's in the decoded column, is that she said un, long pause, der, long pause, stand, long pause. At no point did she ever say the word understand. And so at times she can get all syllables. South urn, she got the urn in southern, so there's another final syllable, urn. Now, the way that I would be writing up this, um, these strengths is maybe put these in paragraph number two. As part of her word recognition skills, this kid has two of them. Those two skills include recognizing sight words and syllabication strategies. Let me write that in here for you. Syllabication strategies. Those syllabication strategies include first, final, and all syllables in some words. And we would definitely be using examples to get through that. On the weakness column, it is clear that decoding polysyllabic words consistently and clearly is a problem. I'll just write in polyprobs. And I even know which word I'm going to use as my lesson. I'm going to do understand. That's what I'm going to do, understand, because it's going to be an easy one to teach with a very simple lesson that I will teach you a little bit later. Okay, everybody. Let's go back to the first page of her data right now, if we could. Let me scroll it up. 
you'll have to, of course, read this stuff carefully and understand it yourself. And it's not that complicated, especially when you read in the second paragraph and find the thesis, and you understand that they're talking about animal behavior, those that are inherited and those that are learned. You learn about this fantastic toad that uh, instinctively will eat insects and then it learns never to eat another bee again. We need to see what it is that she comprehends. Before we do that, turn the page if you would, <clears throat> we look at her fluency a little bit more carefully. We see, for example, that she is bombing polysyllabic words, southern for southern. She skips example. Maybe you could count that as a sight word, but <clears throat> it's also polysyllabic. And lungs for lunges. She also does some other things, like this sentence. When a dragon flies by the toad, it opens its mouth wide, lungs forward, and snaps at it. She is trying to make expository equal narrative text which isn't going to work. And it doesn't work. We know that when we look at this teacher-student dialogue right here. When we look at this teacher-student dialogue carefully, she's asked a question about, are there any specific things this, the passage tells about? Yes, it tells about how a toad got stung by a bee once. Does it say why the toad got stung or what the toad did afterwards? It tried to eat it. I don't know what it did after that. I bet it hopped around a lot. You look down below. Is there anything a toad just knows about eating without having to learn it? Nope. What's going on in here is really easy. This kid is busy inventing a story. Or she is simply lost in details. And the main reason for this is that she lacks expository schema, or schemata, however you want to call it. I'm just going to write whatever I wrote right there, expository schema, for goodness sakes. Well, there's other things that they ask us to do, like sending us back to reread the sentence that she read aloud. For example, in these two questions, the teacher says, would you read this sentence for me? She says, but even though a toad eats inside, it can still learn something about eating. Notice that there's an inside and then a brief pause. When we go back to the previous page and we take a look at what that sentence actually was, let me scroll it up for you. I'll highlight it in, uh, in blue. But even though a toad eats insects automatically, it can still learn something about eating. You can see clearly that she is having problems with polysyllabic words. In the case of insect, she says inside. In the case of automatically, she just skips it. Both of these are polysyllabic, so it's just an indication that she's having polysyllabic word problems. Now, there were some other things that I went over in class that I'm going to just skip because you can look at your own notes and get a sense of what's going on. What I want to remind you of right now is this, that this is a fifth grade kid who should be in the reading to learn process. That's where she ought to be, but we have two problems we're dealing with. She's not fluent and she doesn't comprehend. My friends, we cannot just work on fluency with a fifth grade kid. You have to do two things simultaneously. You have got to get her fluent and get her to comprehend the passage. You've got to get her to grade level. Had she been a second grade kid, you could ignore comprehension for the most part and just work on fluency. But since this child should be in the reading to learn process, you can't. Okay, in the next section what I'm going to do is show you how to outline this thing fast, and uh, we'll do that next.
All right, in this part, what I'm going to do is show you how to outline this thing fast. And it might be helpful for you to have the data in front of you as I go through this and refer between the two. I'm only going to do an outline and um, an analysis for you. So just remember, this is a case study. And in a case study, it's a five-paragraph essay, paragraph one, two, three, A, B, four, and five. The list of words that we've been working with are as follows. Phonemic awareness, concepts about print. Oh my, I gotta, I gotta spell that a little better, huh? Phonemic awareness, concepts about print, which are interchangeable, put cat first, PA uh, second if you want, I don't care, doesn't really apply to this case anyway. Letter sound correspondence, onsets and rhymes, the phonics rules, <clears throat> polysyllabic words, sight words, and the flu. We can also add, after we put a box around fluency, literal, inferential, and evaluative. And then we can also add higher level vocabulary down below. Higher level vocabulary, meaning homophones, homographs, really heavy duty structural words, roots, etc. Okay. If you go back through her data and do a survey, there are things that we can check off on here. First of all, remember that this is a fifth grade student. And this fifth grade student is not fluent. This fifth grade student can't comprehend. We have discovered our major issue. The major issue that we can put in paragraph number three before we even attack our list of words is that she is not fluent on, can't comprehend, fifth grade expository text. How's that for shorthand? Not fluent on and cannot comprehend fifth grade expository text. Remember what I taught you in class, or if I forgot to teach it to you in class, just hear me now, if you would, please. You've got to get her to grade level since she's fifth grade. Were she in second or third, you could just work on fluency. That's not the case. So you've got to get her to grade level. Now, in order for us to crack the rest of this stuff, we must go through our list of words. Well, phonemic awareness and concepts about print are too babyish. Let's always start at fluency. She is not fluent at all. She really has no literal or inferential or evaluative comprehension at all. Part of it is certainly due to her lack of fluency, but the other part of it is due to her lack of expository schema. So I'll write that like in the, in the uh, margin here. No expository schema. When we go back through the list of words, well, she does have sight words, that's true. She also has some polysyllabic word strategies. But when you put the whole bunch of syllables together, then things fall apart with her. You can get really nitpicky if you want and say that she is able to decode some open and closed syllables if you want. I'm not going to do it, but that would be you know, certainly acceptable. 
If you want to go through her uh, oral reading or even some of the other words and look for rules, maybe you will find some of them, but we're going to collect all of those things under a particular heading, a particular category. And maybe you'll find some things with onsets and rhymes, but it seems to me that those things are too babyish for her. Well, based on our list of words, we've really got a fine um, working uh, order with which to fill out our outline. Go back to paragraph number three. Well, we know for A, we have to deal with fluency somehow. I'm going to write the flu right in here. That's what it says right there, flu. And then we have to deal with expository comprehension. Well, for fluency, I know that if I get her fluent on polysyllabic words, it would help. So let's address polysyllabic words as our A. For comprehension, why don't we deal with expository schema somehow? Let's deal with the schema of expository text. We've cracked the major part of the case study. We have discovered our major issue along with our um, A and B. And what that means for paragraph four is that we have to do lesson A for polysyllabic words along with benefit A for whatever lesson we pick for polysyllabic words. Lesson B will be meant to address her troubles with expository schema, and then we'll have to pull out benefit B, <coughs> excuse me, um, for whatever lesson we pick for expository schema. <coughs> now, as far as the strengths go, let's look right here on our list. Even though she's not fluent, she does have some word identification or recognition skills, however you want to put it. I'm pulling this primarily out of her data set that was on the last page of uh, her uh, case study. And what she does well with some word identification skills is, uh, is obviously sight words. But there's something else that she uh, does well besides the sight words, and that is that she has some syllabication strategies. And I'll just write in here like sil uh, strats. So she is able to get through some of these uh, polysyllabic words, maybe the initial, final, or all of the syllables. She just can't do it all at once, it seems. We'll have to work on that then. We have got a lot of our case study out of the way. The only thing that's missing is number one, and so let's go after that. We'll have to go back through her data set in order to do it effectively, so let's go ahead and, and try that now. When we look at her data set and we turn to the teacher notes, which we'll do right now, we read through the first one and it tells us that she's cheerful, confident, and talkative. Look, don't write that as strength one unless you can't find anything else. Some people get by by writing, well, she's cheerful, confident, excited, etc. But really what these people want to see is um, your ability to stick to just pure decoding stuff. And that's why this note on 923 is so critical. It says, Louise gave an oral book report today on one of her favorite books, the stories written at about the third grade level. She gave a good overall summary of the plot. She was able to answer questions about the characters and their motivations. She told me later that she has the whole series at home and reads them often. Now, most people skip over this, but it's essential. It's essential because in paragraph number one, we can cite the fact that she is fluent on something. It happens to be third grade narrative text, and she even has literal and inferential comprehension. I know that because she can summarize a plot. I know that because she can talk about characters and their motivations. 
How do I know she's fluent? <clears throat> Excuse me, I know she's fluent because she wouldn't be able to comprehend the stuff literally or inferentially according to Rika were she not fluent. Now I know it's even a familiar book and that even supports it more. It's familiar enough so she's fluent on it, she's fluent on it, she has narrative text schema, she's able to comprehend it literally and inferentially. So back to our outline. On our outline, then, we will say that she has third grade narrative text fluency and comprehension. We will cite that this shows that she has the capacity to comprehend. She is not brain damaged, in other words, and I'm serious about that. What this tells us is that she's not a candidate for special education by any means. What it tells us is that this child, if given fluency on polysyllabic words and some other things, if given the correct schema, expository in this case, she will get to grade level, she will comprehend. Without those two critical areas, however, she will continue to suffer. In the next section, then, I'm going to go over the answer with you, and uh, let's do that next. <coughs> So now with the answer, uh, we'll see how to write this up uh, pretty easily. You can look at your outline and see that I pretty much follow the same structure. I mean, paragraph one is strength one, paragraph two is strength two, paragraph three is the problem, need A and need B, and I've changed this a little bit. I no longer call it a problem, I call it an issue. So if you want to make that change, you can. And notice that you can use headings on the test. I mean, it would help these poor uh, souls who have to read this stuff find what it is that they're looking for more quickly. Now, if you look at my opening, I like my opening. It's fine. It says, Louisa's first strength is that she fluently decodes third grade narrative text. The teacher notes of 923 indicate that she can read and summarize decodable text that is written at about the third grade level and answer questions about the characters and their motivations. This is a very important strength because it shows that if she is fluent and has the correct schema, narrative in this case, she will be able to comprehend what she reads. If you want to pause this right now and look at that paragraph, by all means go ahead and do it. And what I'll tell you now is um, this, that I like my opening because it's fast. It says that her first strength is, is that she fluently decodes third grade narrative text. I support it with evidence. I describe her literal and inferential comprehension. I also indicate where I'm highlighting in blue right here. Whoops, where I'm highlighting in blue right here uh -huh, is that these strengths with third grade narrative text indicate that she has the capacity to eventually comprehend what she reads if she's fluent and if she has the correct schema. Well, let's look at the second paragraph together now. Let me highlight the whole thing in yellow first before I read it. I open, you know, with an opening that's not bad. I say, Louise's second strength is that she has some word identification skills. The teacher notes of 10.6 also indicate that she can recognize high-frequency um, irregular sight words such as thought, adventure, and excited. She can also break unfamiliar words into syllables. She was able to syllabicate mystery, southern, and understand. Now, I should be more specific in here. 
because the only one that she syllabicated correctly and completely was understand. You need to say, for example, that she got an initial syllable out of mystery and a final syllable out of southern. I didn't do that. I don't like my ending. She was also able to recognize the initial onset and skillful and use the initial letter of flavor to guess at the word. Look, this is a first syllable she got. This is a final syllable that she got in flavor. Go back to the data and, and look at that carefully. So I will pause here for about three seconds and you can pause the video and make your notes. And hopefully you're back now. So paragraph number two to sum up is pretty good with the exception of the examples that I used. Again, I would be more specific about first, final, medial, if any and all of the syllables and understand. That would also be a good place where you could throw in any phonics rules she's good at, although I'm not going to, uh, to do that right now. Now my structure of paragraph number three, remember, is essential. I have to identify the major issue and follow it up with two needs. I don't like my opening. Let me highlight it for you right here and then read it to you. Louise's need is with comprehending grade level expository text both literally and inferentially. First of all, I would say Louise's problem or Louise, Louise's main issue or something like that, not this, is with fluency and comprehending grade level narrative text. You have got to add fluency in here, which I didn't do. You must. You also should cite the grade level as fifth grade by including fluency and comprehension and naming the grade level, you now have a nice opening. Let's see if the rest of my paragraph succeeds or fails. Let me highlight need A for you. In <clears throat> blue, I have highlighted need A. The teacher dialogue and her SAT-9 reading scores reveal that Louise has very limited literal comprehension of expository text because she read it as if it were a narrative story. This is because she does not know how to follow the schema, structure of expository text, since she was looking for characters and plots in the passage about animal behavior. Well, that need A is about schema. If you look at the list that you and I created, I let off with fluency, polysyllabic words. This is interchangeable. It is interchangeable because, look, on my answer, I have elected to put need B right here, and need B is fluency. Also, she is unable to fluently decode and reassemble polysyllabic words that are often found in upper-level content area text since she read insect as inside and instinctive as instant. Therefore, the areas upon which I would focus would be expository schema and polysyllabic words. So don't freak out. Look at your outline. Your outline begins with the major issue, which you're going to fix in this answer. You could put fluency first or schema first. You could put schema second or fluency second. I need to develop some flexibility in you guys so that you are not quite so rigid. The order is arbitrary so long as the information is what they need to see and this is what they need to see. Let me pause for a few seconds. So to sum up the first three paragraphs for you, strength one is her fluency. Strength two are her word identification skills. The main issue and needs A and B are as follows. She does not fluently decode or comprehend fifth grade expository text. 
A. She needs to work on expository schema. B. She needs to work on fluently decoding polysyllabic words. If you want to follow the outline when you, re, uh, when you write this, go ahead and do so. The main issue would be the same, but you would simply say that she needs to become fluent on polysyllabic words and that she needs to uh, gain an understanding of expository schema in order to comprehend it. Well, let's take a look at paragraphs number four and five. Now, the order isn't arbitrary here, all right? Since in my example essay that you are essentially copying, I said that we need to deal with schema first, then let's make our paragraph four, our lesson plan, deal with schema. Look at how I open this. To help Louise comprehend expository text literally, the teacher needs to help make the schema organization of expository text concrete. That is not the finest sentence I have ever written in my life. You can fix it, however. I simply restate need A, which was in my essay, expository schema. Here is the lesson I'm going to use. I would use a graphic outline for this purpose. Now look at how I write the lesson plan. I offset everything with first, second, third, and finally, or fourth. That's to ensure that I include my teacher modeling, my guided practice, and my independent practice. Look at how I do teacher modeling for a graphic outline. I would put the central idea in a circle on a piece of paper. In this case, it is animal behavior. Second, I would have two branches off the circle, one being instinctive behaviors and the other being learned behaviors. I got the wrong suffix here. Third, Louise and I would read the passage together and categorize details from the, each paragraph into either instinctive or learned behaviors. Finally, I would ask Louise literal and inferential questions and ever use the graphic outline as a guide. If you need to pause this, go ahead, but before you do so, Understand that all I'm doing is that little outline that you and I did earlier when we read the paragraph. Animal behavior is here, instinctive behaviors are here, and learned behaviors are here. You and the child read the passage together and then list the instinctive and the learned behaviors underneath each category. Then you ask her literal and inferential questions based on this graphic outline. You are teaching her expository schema this way. It is visual, it's concrete, which is why in your benefit you will say the following. The benefit is last, remember. This activity would make the schema of expository text concrete because she can visualize how details of the passage are organized and can use a strategy to answer comprehension questions. To sum this up, all I do is lead off with a restatement of need A. I write a lesson plan that clearly, clearly, clearly includes teacher modeling, guided practice, and independent practice. I then end with a benefit that is multisensory. Go ahead and pause this right now, and then we'll pick up paragraph number five. Paragraph number five deals with fluency. Since need be was fluency, I'm going to do a lesson plan for fluency, especially for polysyllabic words. Look at my opening. A good strategy to, strategy to use in order to help Louise with polysyllabic words would be to focus on polysyllabic words. It's not the best sentence I ever wrote, 
but it gets the point across. You could use the same opening that you had in area A if you'd like, and I would, you know, either pick one introduction and stick with it or the other introduction or stick with it, but I did want to give you some options. That's why you see some differences here. Now, I'm going to do making words, so maybe I should have ended that opening by saying that would be to focus on making words out of syllables. And that's what I do here. Watch. I would be sure to do first, second, third, and fourth to do some teacher modeling, guided practice, and independent practice. I didn't happen to do that here, but <clears throat> you can see in my uh, first sentence that I'm going to highlight for you that I say I would take a polysyllabic word from a word recognition check such as understand and teach her how to both syllabicate and reassemble it. More teacher modeling follows. I would write its syllables onto three index cards as follows. The first card would have un, the second card would have dir, and the third card would have stand. Here's our guided. Louise and I would associate the correct phoneme chunks to these syllables and practice making words from them. Un plus dir to make under, and under plus stand to make understand. And then the last thing you do is independent practice, where you have her, finally, I would have her read a sentence with understand in it, you know, to see if she can decode it. Look at our benefit. The benefit is multisensory because all of the benefits are multisensory for these people. It's in blue. The benefit of this activity is that it teaches Louise to associate phoneme chunks to words along with how to not only syllabicate but also reassemble the words by seeing, saying, and manipulating syllables. Now if I didn't mention it uh, in paragraph 4, let me make sure that I mention it for paragraph 5. You can actually draw your index cards with un here, dir here, and stand here and include them in your essay so that they can see what you're doing. You could also include that graphic outline that I talked about in paragraph 4. And that will certainly help you um, keep your points because that way they can't argue with what you're doing. Alright, these are the final two paragraphs. I will keep them up for about three seconds so you can pause and then I'll put up the first three paragraphs so you can have a complete essay. And that concludes uh, Louise. Thanks so much. Bye.